What's crackalackin' everybody? My new smart guy, Matt Zapali here, hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome to another episode of the Seven Figure Squad Podcast. Join me in the studio today is my homie, my trainer, Milton Alvarez, and special guest here, loan offer extraordinaire. I was telling him, I very rarely run into people in the mortgage business, especially over 24, 25, 26 years, but he has. I told him a lot of respect for people that have been in the real estate mortgage community pre-Great Recession, 07, 08, 09, and not only surviving, but thriving, and current president of the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals here in Dallas, Mr. Eloy Benavides. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, bud. Uh, so we're going to be asking you some questions here about home ownership, affordable home ownership, um, the realities, because we're seeing all sorts of data out there. Because, Eloy, I see two camps uh, that's, that's coming our way. First camp, these guys are absolutely struggling they haven't closed a deal, whether it's mortgages or real estate, in months. And from your end, a lot of refinance, from, I'm, from I'm seeing across the country, a lot of refinances are off the table. Nobody wants to refinance off of a 2 3% refi. But then the other camp, outside of the absolutely I'm struggling camp, the opposite is the flip side. I'm actually having the best time of my career. Yeah. And so we have two camps. And by the way, before I continue, which, which camp do you think you relate with with the most you know what uh i've developed a niche so i'm gonna be the latter i'm gonna i'm gonna go okay. for success uh am i as successful as i was last year no but i'm not i'm still closing uh is it proportions so, last year eh. considering the volume is down across the board from two years ago 25 percent, half of half yeah every year's been half okay. 21 was the biggest year ever then half year last and then half this year and even less so moving forward so we're, we're giving it into the dried it's yeah. what do we call it it's uh it's the winter Oh, it's, yep. it's death where there's going to be no sure, business sure. for a lot of people unless you're strategic mm-hmm. about your partnerships and yeah. what your value is to your consumers. And you've learned how to do that through the Great Recession, 07, 08, 09. You got to adjust, man. Any yeah. business, right? Any business. I was, I was telling a loan officer I met uh, 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 two weeks ago. He's only been in loans for less than uh, seven or seven or eight years. And I told him, listen, man, you're being gut checked right now. Do you, do you really <laughs> want to do this? You know, because for the last 14 years, there's one big great economic expansion. And a lot of them haven't even suffered a, 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 a downturn in the market like this. Hey, honestly, we haven't seen rates ever increase in my lifetime. I mean, 40 years of constant 18, 16, 12, yeah. 10, yeah. 7, 6, 5, yeah. 2. Yeah. And then for the first time in 40 years, we're trading up. So what right. kind of impact does it have nationwide, economic-wide? I mean, yeah. it's a first for a lot of us. I've, sure. I've been through blips, but this is a, sh- a significant shift that most of us can have never realized is coming. So we're going to be talking about that and making sure that you can go out there and, and build your dream, live your American dream, buy your house, invest in real estate. We're going to be talking about that too as well, because that's what millionaires do. The seven figure squad mentality, the millionaire mentality is we monetize chaos. When people are running away from noise and chaos, what do millionaires do and decamillionaires do and hectamillionaires do and billionaires do? They run towards the chaos to try to find the problem, because if you find the problem, you help more people. You help more people, you make more money because you're creating value in our economy. Uh, what do you got on your end, Milton, for your topics? I actually have a couple questions uh, for you, Eloy, oh. on especially for a lot of home, uh, first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of my friends who are actually in the real estate industry. Yeah. Um, and right now, as Matt said, they're currently being gut-checked, and they're yeah. questioning what the next move is. And especially being in, in that situation, and you have a family, mm-hmm. you know, what is your next move? Especially trying to be the man of the household to lead the family that you that you have, you know, to the next level in life, yeah. and making sure that they don't get impacted by everything going on right now worldwide, especially with our economy. Um, and one, one more thing that I wanted to to touch on is how, you know, especially you being 
you know, surrounded by a lot of people and leading a mass of people is also this involves asking you, like, how do you keep up with your energy? How do you keep up with your health? True. You know, how do you keep up with the demand that you have with the people that you're leading, people consistently asking you questions and going to you for, hey, what's the next thing? And having that kind of pressure, you know, how do you take care of yourself and show up for yourself before you show up to anybody else? That's one of the things that we'll be following up on. Cool. Great question, man. Great question. Yeah. Very good. So um, uh, I, I want to look at this first video here, uh, Jordan. Uh, it's a throwback, a little bit of a throwback, because talk, people are talking about how difficult it is to own a home today. I wonder, was that is just a now thing? Is it this... Uh, a blip in the in the in a radar. So let's take a look at this video here. What home ownership looked like in another part of the country. Let's check this out. It's not easy to buy a nice home in San Diego these days. In fact, it's practically impossible unless you have a very impressive income or very generous relatives. The median cost of a home here has jumped to eighty-five thousand dollars, and because of the higher cost of land, construction, and higher interest rates, housing sales in the county have dropped off to the lowest point in three years. You just can't buy a home like you used to. Well, what were the rates in the eighties? Mortgage, mortgage rates. I'm, I'm just Googling here. Mortgage rates in the 80s. Uh, as I'm looking this up, Eloy, what, what's your thought about this? So it's, just, it's not just a you're 2023 at, problem. You're in the teens, right? You're, we're in the teens. Uh, 1980, 13.74%. Yeah, 13% what you talking about earlier. Uh, so so that's it's nothing new. We've seen them before. Um, I think the it, it's about inflation, cost of goods. You know, we focus on rates. A, a rate going from 12 to 13, 1%, that's got like a $40 impact on your monthly payment. A tank of gas. Right, mm -hmm. but what is a what is a gas increase by a dollar? What does that do to your budget? That's a couple hundred bucks a month. We're more focused on the interest rate than we are other things. Taxes in increasing, values. Um, it's more about raises. I think more it's more about income keeping pace with pricing, and that's what we've seen the biggest thing here. Right, yeah. we really haven't seen that unless you're in a position where you can create investments and returns and sure. you know, how to monetize. But if you're if you're waiting for somebody to pay you a salary to 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 uh, basically make you afford a home. It's tough. Nobody's going to give you a, I was doing this analysis this morning. I was thinking on the way here. I bought a house 10 years ago, $130,000. Today it's worth 520. Four. We're about, four we're about to hear in Dallas. In Plano. In my no first case. house. Wow. 520. I wouldn't buy it for 520. Today. I would not, but it's worth 520. So I'm thinking 400% return in 12 years. That's a 40% return, 36% return every year. Nobody's going to give me a 36% raise yeah. every year. I'm not going to get that. Yeah. Where are we seeing that? Certain markets. Dallas is one of the hyper markets yeah. in the nation. But how do you keep up with that? Your income's not going to keep up. Yeah. I'm not getting a 40% raise every year. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Even though I'm investing, I'm growing, I'm, I'm diversifying. And if I had a boss, there's no way he's going to give me 46%. Yeah, Eloy, when we first moved there in 2021, you were saying the height of the market here in Dallas yeah, was of course. two years ago. We couldn't find anything here. Yeah. We sold our house. We sold our, it was a, a uh, $1.7 million house in Chicago come down here we couldn't find anything i mean literally couldn't find anything on a rope there's times where i was broke had no credit had no cash i couldn't find a house because that, but that was the issue right yeah but now i got money now i got credit and i still couldn't find it so we rented sight unseen we rented a house we finally found it in louisville we'd never seen it physically until we moved here and then they shoved their cars in there packed everything in there you remember the house <laughs> yeah, i had yeah. and i was so frustrated in the house because i'm used to having a bigger house and we had you know put all of our, our entire family and everything we own in half the space. But uh, a year later though, a lot of things just started opening. I mean, that was just last year that yeah. you came to my house warming. Of course. And then the market just opened up. That house that I bought here in Frisco was a 3132, but we were able to pick it up for two six. Yeah. So it was a $600,000 drop from what they originally listed it in 2021, a year before. 
They couldn't they couldn't sell it, then they dropped to six hundred grand. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? And we're seeing that in certain markets. Okay. Uh, I shared with you a little bit of information earlier. Uh, I think say Dallas has seen some in the last couple of months. We've seen more of that. And I think it's it's very pocket. It, it's about certain areas and, and you know, COVID really kind of did a number on the way we work, the way we live, yeah. what what we expect out of life. What we want in the house. What's Do people want a home office now? Yeah, now yeah. it now it's a, Thinking back, right, when I, my first house that I grew up in was a two bed, one bath, and I was happy as a kid. I had no idea, that was my mansion. And now looking back, uh, who's building that? Your first entry level home is a three, two with an optional convertible room, and that's yeah. still not enough? Yeah. What's affordable, right? The word affordable is used so, so what's affordable to you to me versus entry yeah. level? So, I mean, the markets, uh, the suburbs, are we doing, th there's two, there's two, basic ways of growing in the economy. You're either, the city grows out during good times mm -hmm. and it crawls back, right? Yeah. The suburban crawl and then the, the urban, the, the, the crawl back in. I think we're, we're crawling back in. People, they don't want to drive. Mm -hmm. They want the convenience. Yeah. Uh, maybe an hour is too long now to be driving every other day because mm -hmm. now our horse come back to work. So now we're kind of centralizing back to Dallas or a central city yep. and then costs are going up in certain pockets, but not others. So it's just the demand in, in the pockets and all that stuff is kind of- For those who tune in right now, you're watching the Seven Figure Squad podcast. And I wonder what you thought is affordable. What are you thinking right now? You're watching this live, you're watching the replay. What do you think is affordable for you? How do you define affordable housing? In your opinion, and uh, Milton, you're standing on top of the uh, the chat the chat section, yep. the chat section. Yep. So, uh, the other question I want to ask you too as well, the DFW area here is, is pretty unique market because Super. in the Metroplex, the, the DFW, Dallas, Fort Worth Metroplex, the, that I was reading that there's more population coming and currently here and coming here than 32 states, <laughs> entire 32 states in a Dallas, Fort Worth area. Holy it's, moly. It's insane. It's, it's, insane. it's nuts. And Milton, we've been here for a couple of years now. Two years. How many people have we seen and met and shook hands with and network with that they're, aren't from Dallas? They're not from here. I'm yet to give me a percentage. I'm, 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 I'm what over eighty for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm yet 80%. to meet someone that says, yeah. "Yeah, I was born and raised in Dallas." Yeah. Nice to meet you. 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 He was raised in the hood. Yeah, I'm from Oak Cliff, which is it's not the nice part. Of the it's town. like uh, the it was village. the nice part, and now it is. So right? Oak Cliff is like a little village, so it's over there in Chicago. Is that right? And Jefferson Boulevard is equivalent to 26th Street in Chicago. Oh yeah, all the car lots, all the all the all the stuff. Yeah, and then their Bishop Arts is R. Pilsen. Got it. I, I had to find the hood. Everybody, right? that, Dallas and Chicago relate right now. Yeah, yeah. We, we, oh, we get it now. We get it now. Yeah. Um, I want to take a look at this article here. Um, Jordan, can you go to my screen? So this is another pocket of the United States. This is San Jose, NorCal. And it's now, according to them, it's now cheaper to rent than buy a house. Let's take a look at the caption. In high cost U.S. housing markets, L.A., Honolulu, Seattle, San Jose, San Francisco. Okay, Dallas is not part of it. The premium for buying versus renting is surging, according to Zillow. In California, San Jose Metro, typical home, typical home in San Jose is $1.4 million. And a buyer with 10% down faces a monthly mortgage payment of $87.71. I, I presume that's PN, uh, uh, just PI? What was the payment again? Uh, 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 $87.71. That's probably PI. Just PI, not, yeah. not even taxes and insurance. Okay. So. More than $5,000 higher than monthly rent. So, Eli, I'm just curious. For somebody that can buy a home there in San Jose at $1.4 million, what do they have to be earning? So it's typically two to three times. Let's say three times the mortgage payment. Got so it. let's just say in that case, we wouldn't see taxes because taxes are local. Right? So they got to be making 32000 a month. Essentially. <laughs> to, to own a home. So, so that's 360000 That's $380,000 a year gross. Or was it net? 
grow? Well, it depends on your, on your, that's a great question. It yeah. depends on, on your income style. If you're an employee, it's yeah. gotta be gross. If you're, if you have your own business, Got it's it. net. Got it. So you're net of deductions on your tax returns. So who is making 300? That's, you're talking about the top five, 3% of income in America. Uh, California, right? I yeah. mean, that, that's California for you. Uh, is it affordable? Uh, the homeless, is that part of the situation? Are they truly not, would it would be homeless if they weren't in California. I mean, it's crazy you know, to typical home. It says their typical home is $1.4 million. Uh, that's insane to think. Uh, that's insane. <laughs> so what is it here in Dallas? What's, what's a typical home the, here the, in Dallas? The average home in Dallas County, right? There, there's, it's hard to say Dallas. DFW sure, is yeah, so yeah. big. Yeah. Let's just stick to Dallas proper. Dallas City, Dallas County. The average home price last year was somewhere around 620. Wow. Uh, just on average. That's that's not considering, you know, any, the luxurious end or the bottom. And that's just a very rough average, 620-ish. So that puts your note somewhere, let's just say $5,000 a month if you do that. So back to your equation, yeah. three times that, $15,000 a month in income to qualify, yeah. $180 a year net income for self-employed or gross for, for W-2 in order to live in, in Dallas. It's funny that you said that because you didn't even know this video was coming up. No. But I got another video here yeah. about a breakdown of what this, what this um, uh, uh, content creator was talking about. How much do you need to make? to afford a $600,000 house. Yeah. So perfect timing. Uh, let's take a look at this. How much do you need to make to afford a $600,000 home in 2023? Let's run the numbers as a first time home buyer using an FHA loan. Down payment, 21,000. Interest rate, 7.9%. This number could be way off by next month. Principal <laughs> plus interest, $4,208. Taxes, 330. Insurance, 250. MIP, 265. Which brings our total monthly to $5,053 to comfortably afford this home, you don't want to spend more than 28% your monthly gross income. So we're going to take the 5053 divide that by 0.28, which will give us $18,046. When you multiply that by 12, you'll need to make $216,557 to comfortably afford a $600,000 home in 2023. There you go. It fits, yeah. fits, your, fits your math. Pretty close. Yeah. He's a little short on the ratio. What, what, uh, what would you agree with? What would you not agree with in that? Uh, he's right. 100%. Okay. Um, now, where is 600, what's the market 600 going to be? Where's that going to buy you? Is that, and this is the problem, affordability and first time buyer. Yeah. Is 600 really a first time home buyer house? Definitely not. Well, it depends on, it depends on like, what you do for living, right? It depends. <laughs> who, 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 let's say your first time buyers right now uh, mm -hmm. are 30 years old because they're delaying their purchase a little bit. Yeah. They don't have kids. Do they really have to have a $600,000 house? And that's the issue. I, I think because of growth, because of demand in the, in certain pockets, land costs go up. Builders say, well, in order to make it profitable, I can't build it two, two, one. It wouldn't mm -hmm. make sense. Mm -hmm. I have to build a four, five and make yeah. it half a million or else I don't make enough profit on there. Yeah. And I think it's part of the zoning things that, that require those issues. But if we can go back, I always go back to the twenties and seventies. I, I drive around Oak Cliff back to where, where in the neighborhood I'm from. And I look at the architecture. There were a lot of duplexes. They were built in the seventies. A lot of fourplexes built in the twenties. And what what deemed those necessary? The economics of that time. Yeah, you, yeah. I couldn't afford a house uh, for my own, so I had to split it four ways yeah. and split it with my neighbors, and then we had a house. Yeah, that's not happening today. It's crazy that you mentioned that because look at Chicago. How many two flats, three flats, four flats yeah. are in Chicago? Yeah, because that was the economics of Chicago. And that's nobody what, had a car. Yeah, and nowadays that's what a lot of real estate agents are, are thriving on with duplexes, three flats, four flats. Yeah, because they, a lot of them, you know, they're trying to. Yeah, be, able to be, be in one building and have multiple people, you know, paying their rent. I think Berwick yeah, is where it is. Of course, yeah, yeah, because you have a two flat, three. Let's, get, so let's say I have a three flat. Yeah, that's three families living in a house. Mm -hmm. So how many cars are per flat? Yeah, you're looking at at least let's say two cars. Six, right? Yeah. So yeah, you got six cars per flat, and you got a stack of houses on a typical Chicago block.
Yeah. You know, so you, that's why it's so hard to find. The joke in Chicago is it takes you 30 minutes to get there, two miles away, but another 30 minutes to find parking. And that's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. That's why. In the cold, yeah. negative 20 degree weather. <laughs> in the, in the just, snow, right? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> if I can ask a question, yeah, please, like, please. Like, like what's some advice that you have for a first time home buyer, whether, you know, regardless of where they're at financially, um, that, you know, they can, you know, what are some indicators or some economic data points that they can look at uh, when making a real estate decision into looking into a home or any property? You know, uh, the affordability is, of course, a piece. You know, I, looking back 10 years ago, my first house, I was mid, early 30s. Um, I wish I'd bought more house. I'm like, I, I seriously wish I'd bought more house. I'm like, because I, I may have been living there. But then again, this house has turned to a rental property for me. So it's, it's gone well. But at that time, I, I, I wish I'd bought more home. Um, the home I live in now is more than adequate. And it's great. Um, but if, as a first time buyer, I think the the peace of mind and the ease of living, what that brings to you, right? What the house provides to you, but not just that, the location, all that good stuff, right? Location, location, location. Mm -hmm. But in the, and actually, just, I think step number one is getting into the house. And I think we worry about getting perfect. A lot of us are Dame, Dave Ramsey followers and 20% down and no debt. And I get it. That, yeah. that is the optimal mortgage. But I'm going to wait 10 years to, to say 20% to get there and waste 10 more years in equity or investments, yeah. uh, it's not a good plan uh, overall. So right now, the lowest down payment option, get your foot in the door. Uh, don't don't let pride get in your way. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of ego, we wanna do it on our own. We don't use our parents, forget that. You're not capable, use your parents. Don't be don't be stupid, mm -hmm. don't waste your money, don't waste time, because time is money, sure, right? Sure, sure, And And here we are being arrogant or egotistical for not taking the right step, for not getting people on the thing. So right now I think a lot of co-applicants Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't afford $600,000, house hack, split it. Yeah, I have two roommates right now in our house. You know what I mean? I don't really, it's, I have an ex, I have a huge house. And I'm like, you know what? They can live here and they can live here. No big deal. Uh, yeah. It helps them, helps me. Yeah. Sure. Right? It doesn't bother us. Yeah. Um, it, it can happen to anybody. I mean, why not? You know, I thought that I've, we've expressed this on the, the podcast before. I would love to have all my kids in the same house for as long as they can until they get married in an ideal scenario. Now, of course, the kids, because they're, Influenced by the friends, influenced by social media. They want to have their own spot. They don't have their own thing. But if I'm in good relationship with my folks, I'm in good, and my, I have a good relationship with my kids, why leave the house? You're, you're 18, 19, 20 years old. You're in your mid-20s. Why leave the house? Stack your cash. Yeah, of course, the, the, the downside to that is, what, what, by the way, what does most parents want with their kids, though, at 18 years old? Yeah, get out of the house. Get out of the house. Yeah. I, I get it. But the flip side to that is, you might be economically slowing them down because now they got to come up with their own rent. They got to come up with this, which I get versus a much cheaper rent that you would charge them as a parent, but they just have to honor certain rules. Your familiar resources should be used, not your personal resources, right? Yeah. So I, th I think I read something where, uh, I forget which, uh, um, I think it was a, a Persian country. They, they tend to live together in a house. Sure. They don't all each other own houses. Yeah. They all drive nice cars, yeah. but they each have a room or two in a mega house, yeah. and that's how they survive. That's yeah. how they thrive. And I think it's something we don't embrace in America. It's, it's my land, my piece of America. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's my house. Yeah. And I get it, but at what cost and at what delay, right? And yeah. it's my mega mansion. I've got to buy the house my first time around. Mm -hmm. And that's going to take 20, 30, 40 years delayed. And we're seeing it now. Or, or as a parent, you can buy the house next door or somewhere in a neighborhood where the familiar resources are still there. You, got, you know, the, the connection is still there. And maybe the move isn't as difficult or the support network isn't done. Because I was a single dad raising my kids. I would love to have a little bit more closer family support. Yeah. I didn't have it because I'm across, across town or across the country. 
And so th- th- those economic resources had to be spent for daycare, where it could have been reinvested back into the comp- in my house, ha- yeah. having my own house to grow that equity. So 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, at late 20s, early 30s, now I got some working capital. If your solution to buying a house is waiting to race it 2% again, that's not a viable yeah. solution. Don't hold your it's, breath, it's, man. It's not going to happen. Do you think the uh, uh, next month, the Federal Reserve gets back together? What's, what's your thoughts here on, on the interest rates being raised by Jerome Powell? I don't think it's going to be next month, but I think we're in for a, a rude awakening in the next three months. Uh, you're going to see consumer debt is flying. It, it's just, it's out of control, right? Consumer debt, you're seeing the adjustment of a commercial real estate, which hasn't even really been tapped and discussed really. But I saw an interview with Warren Buffett uh, this week uh, and they asked him about that. And, and basically these banks that are holding commercial notes, all these buildings around us that are half vacant, they've gone vacancies down since the, the downturn, right? Since the, uh, the pandemic, uh, their rates are adjusting. When they bought mm-hmm. the properties, they're buying them at two, three, 4% interest rates. They've adjusted as well as the rates go up. They haven't mm-hmm. adjusted yet. They're not 30 year fixed terms. When you buy a commercial property, it's, it's a five to seven year adjustable rate. So we're at that time. It's been five to seven years. These rates are going to go from three to nine for these multi-million dollar buildings. What happens mm-hmm. to their payments? Their payments are going to double. Yep. What's happened to their vacancies? Their vacancies mm-hmm. have gone down. So now mm-hmm. we're, we're negative cash flow on these properties and these owners of buildings have no recourse. They just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to make a money bank. Here you go. Here's your keys. Appreciate it. I'm yeah. out. Right, right. Enough of that happens. These banks are going to go under because yeah. the, these are all regional banks. They're not the big banks. Wells, Chase Fargo, Bank of America, they're not, they're not doing any of that. The regional banks are holding all these commercial notes. So they're going to go under. They're going to belly up. What kind of impact does that have on everything, on residential, on one work, things of that nature? So that's about to happen. And once that happens, you're going to see a ripple effect of rates coming down. Because and, and they have to react have to choice. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I'm a data guy. I love basing my decisions and opinions on data facts. Uh, you brought some facts yeah. uh, with you. Uh, did you want to go over one of these uh, data points? What do we got here? What do we got? What do we got? Let's, let's, let's take a look at my screen. Uh, uh, REO risk dramatically increasing. Massive early default spikes, rent pressure, inflation, rising debt. Did you so want to unpack that? Literally, that's happening right now. I mean, this is like this uh, 10, right? These are, these are things that are happening as we see. Increasing foreclosures. It, it, you know, they're saying double, but double 0.01 seems drastic, 0.02. You know, it, mm-hmm. it is, it is, it's not at, at pen, it's not at, crisis levels we were, you know, back in 07, 08, but they are increasing, right? We're seeing delinquencies increase. We're seeing late payments increase. We're seeing all that. And those are all kind of precursors to things that happen. I think we'll get through the holiday season. People kind of, you know, go uh, Christmas crazy. Mm-hmm. And then once the reality hits, the bill hits in January, we're going to see some kind of uh, belt tightening to some regards, right? So when you say that, the, the second bullet point there, over 80% of FHA mortgages, because you, what, you need three, three and a half percent? Yeah. For an FHA mortgage? Yeah. What's the, I heard that they raised the uh, the the limit for FHA. The FICO score? Oh, the loan limits. Loan limits, yeah. Yeah, every year they adjust based on incomes. So okay. we're trying to keep up with that. But looking at the minimum income, once again, a standard FHA loan is going to be like 550. I mean, that's 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 ludicrous to think that that's an affordable home in some Five markets. Five feet, all right, right. It should be 200, 250 to be real for the incomes, right? Okay, so the typical person in America, what are they making? 20 hours, Man, 20 bucks an hour? That's a great question. What is the yeah. average wage? You know, we have minimum, but is minimum really the average? I think it was based on 20. So, so $20 an the, hour. The average median household income means, you know, whether it's husband and wife or a bunch of families, so per, per the census, average household income, again, that could be a single person or three, four people, but they're filing the same income in that address, mm-hmm. is seventy nine, $70,000 a year. Roughly. Can a person with the average household income of seventy eight, seventy nine thousand 79000 a year afford... A five hundred fifty, a, a four hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollar home. No, 
Um, I always tell my consumers, we must have a minimum of 5,000 net income a month in order to qualify for a bare minimum entry level house, 250 to $300,000. Because at that, you're making 5,000, you're paying me about half, 2,500 bucks. We're, we're scraping by the bare minimums. We're just barely squeaking into a loan at 5,000 a month, 60,000 a year. You said 80,000 a year. 80,000 a year, you're squeaking into maybe a, a $3,000 payment. Um, and that's gonna be what you got, 300, 350. Yeah. So you never get to, to four or five. So so yeah. can we, and then the other is inventory, right? We're seeing bankruptcies here or foreclosures. We're still not creating uh, uh, the inventory. There's another flight I showed you there. It's got the population gross of 30 year, 30 year old population versus housing inventory. I'm not sure if you can see that one there also. That shows you a real interesting kind of uh, dynamic. You know, Can we look at my screen, Jordan? It's on with this, uh, this right here. There's another one. It's it's kind of got a keep going, keep going. That's the only one I got. Just oh, these it? two. Yeah. All right. These two. But let's let's take a look at. This. So here here's some of the things that's going on. Big federal stimulus, home value spike won't ease slump. Economist U.S. recession has already arrived. Loan delinquency surge. More subprime bars are missing loan payments. Uh, legendary investor Jeremy Grantham says we're in the fifth. Wow, fifth great bubble of the modern era and warns the economy won't skate through a high housing crisis. I mean, we didn't skate through the 0709 Great Recession. Um, which, 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 <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a kick in the ass. You know, uh, I'm glad I have a niche and uh, I, we, we create under a certain clientele, but unfortunately th this kind of news, it's, it's real, we have to address it, right? Yeah. What's the solution? How much of it is hoopla? How much of it is real? And some of these numbers are real. We have to get ahead of them for, once you see a trend, you gotta get ahead of it. What's the solution? So you made a comment earlier about equity and this and the other, yeah. and people aren't going to refinance. Why would I refinance on my three percent for sure to pay off my debt? I know yeah. my debt's out of control, and I, I'm I was stupid with my money. It was uh -huh. easy money. I, I got I got Biden money. I got two three checks, <laughs> and I got used to it. Right. So I started jacking up my credit cards because I got used to spending that kind of money, and it's happened. Trust yeah. me, right? Yep. People just get that lifestyle and get a little bit of money, two three four Gs, and oh, let's get a credit card for four or five, or another one for ten. Yeah. It's so easy to get credit, right? Yep. And next thing you know, sit on seventy five thousand dollars of debt. And uh, my home's at 2%. Well, I'm not going to refinance that. I don't care what it means. Um, and now you're going to see solutions like second lien loans come out. Mm -hmm. People are going to start doing seconds to pay those things off. Wow. A little bit better rates. So you'll see a big, uh, uh, we'll see, we're seeing an increase in second lien originations this quarter and next, and we'll probably more next year. Uh, people are tapping the equities and so off those I, I have a follow-up. So for, for homeowners, mm -hmm. um, how can homeowners, if, if you have, whether you have multiple properties, just one property, how can you homeowners protect their investments and still build equity, especially during these, you know, economic uncertainty. So, I mean, if you have, if you have multiple homes, you're a landlord, you're good. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you were smart, you refinance all your properties at the cheapest money available in the history of America. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting on a gold on gold, right? Cause you refinance that payment from, I don't know, 1500 bucks to a thousand that creates an extra cash flow. You should be sitting pretty. Now, if you didn't take advantage of that, that's an issue. Now, the issue is some of these theories, like the BRRR method, right? Buy, refinance, repeat, or whatever it is. They teach you after a certain amount of years, you go back in and you the strip the equity, right? Yeah, yeah. You let it, you, you pay it down, you strip it, you, you pay down the balance, so equity grows. You go back in, you lean, you borrow against it. to Cash out refinance. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how you generate your income, yeah. or say off a loan. There's no interest, no, no taxes. And that's how you, but you're going to go from a two to a seven. Yeah. So how long are these investors going to hold back on those 2% to get that payday? Yeah, uh, they're just going to wait. Uh, yeah. So they're going to go a little thin on, on a bit. Uh, their cash flow is a little heavier now than it was two, three years ago. But that big paycheck they're used to calling out every two, three, four, five years may take ten years now because they don't want to cash out that two percent loan at a nine. They'd be stupid to. Here, here, here's a solution. You got to have a plan B. You, you just can't. It was, you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. You just can't be dependent upon your salary 
Because at the beginning of the year, if your salary, your job, your boss is going to give you a salary that's going to be consistent with the growth of the, whether the interest rate or growth of the mortgage multi payment, uh, the monthly mortgage payment, you're going to be behind again. And I'm even, I may have even been talking about inflation. There was, there's a video we haven't had a chance to uh, share it yet, but there was a video out there by a kid who uh, was at Costco uh, saying, this is what uh, peas and flour and coffee cost three months ago. And inflation is 7-8%. It's 75% rise in cost. Same same product three, four, five months later. Um, you got to have a plan B. I mean, you got to have a hedge against a crisis taking place. Uh, the reason why people carry around first aid kits, even now they have the defri- defibrillators in gyms. Oh, yeah. So why do they have first aid kits and defibrillators in gyms? In case somebody has a heart attack. Yeah. In case somebody hurts himself and they need a first aid kit. And if you don't have a first aid kit... It's going to be a lot worse because you can't treat immediately. You're not going to have a defibrillator. You can't treat immediately. And then you're going to die. So from a financial perspective, do you want to financially die? Of course you don't. So you got to have, you got to have a plan B. And when push comes to shove, again, at the beginning of the show, we talked about the Seven Figure Squad podcast is about monetizing chaos. So if, if you're a loan officer and I'm trying to buy a house, okay, what's the first thing you are trying to do? You're assessing me. As, as, a, as a mortgage professional, or assessing me whether or not I can afford it, can't afford it, and you got to either talk me up or talk me down off what I what have as my dream. Yeah. I, I kind of use the, uh, the car mythology sometimes, I like to say. Uh, what, what do you want your payment to be? Right? Because I can tell how serious you are about, about that. If you're going to want a $1,000 payment, it's just not going to happen. Right? Are you ready for it? Uh, are you paying, living on and paying 500 bucks? Have you been saving? Those attitudes have to adjust quickly. When you yeah. go from buying, from all of a sudden you're paying nothing to 2500 bucks a month. Yeah. You're having it just your lifestyle in the background. Yeah. Talk about an adjustment. Yeah. Right. I've had people put $100,000 down, 50% down payment, but they haven't made a payment in the past. As soon as they start making that payment, they feel, like, oh, yeah. I have to adjust my lifestyle. Yeah. And they fall behind. You wouldn't think yeah. they put $200,000 down payment. You think they'd be ready for it. Yeah. They haven't just their lifestyles yet. That's one of the big things I check for first. Adjust lifestyle. Adjust your lifestyle. They're, okay. So talk about that. What does adjusting lifestyle mean? Uh, you, you tell me. I mean, that, 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 that twenty five hundred bucks a month. Well, what does that mean to you? Is that a car payment? Is that two car payments? Is that get rid is of that something, eating right? out every yeah, night? Yeah, uh-huh. uh, some people we have, we have some really bad habits, right? Uh, I see my nephew lives with us sometimes. I'm not going to call him out, but I will. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 orders, he orders Uber Eats every night. I'm like, bro, we have a fridge full of food, and what, what are you going on? Twenty dollars on a taco. I mean, I, guilty. I, 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 I eat. Sure. When I was your age, I lived on ramen, and that was t- that was two cases of ramen for the week, right? It's so convenient for them to order Uber. I mean, damn. I mean, Uber's still still expensive. Uh, yeah. All day, you know. It's like, so I I uh, I read this book in early in my career called God Wants You to Be Rich, and uh, he, he talks about you know a lot of different areas of the crisis. It was written in 1995, and so he talks about you know the real reward of saving money. He talks about here the the concept of faith, and what we call is delayed gratification. And this book here, page 170, says, God loves savers. It says here, saving money is more than a commendable habit. It is a personal act of faith, a form of self-denial that expresses confidence in the future. A person who denies current comfort and pleasure for future happiness is demonstrating his or her belief in a destiny that can be controlled and improved. That's delayed gratification. Yeah. And so it says, it's one thing to pray in church for God's favor, it's an altogether different proposition to deny your loved one's food, clothing, and shelter that they need now in order to have a better life tomorrow. And this is exactly what immigrants in the United States today and in the past and currently have done. 
and currently do, have done for generations in order to take control of their destinies. They're willing to take that short-term sacrifice for permanent happiness. That's why they're leaving the country. That's why I finally left from the Philippines. It's temporary sacrifice for permanent happiness to come here to America. Your thoughts on that? Man, you know, uh, the keyword struck with me there, uh, after all, that was a great passage. Uh, the thing that stuck to me out is the immigrants. And I don't know why why we don't embrace it more. Uh, the second, third generation, we kind of lose sight of all yeah. that, right? Our kids, mm -hmm. they don't realize what, what struggles were. Our, our grandparents, were, I also myself all the time, your great grand or your grandfather, actually, his, my grandfather, his great grandfather, was literally a, a farm worker. I, and I told him, your grandfather, my dad, his house didn't have a floor. It was dirt growing <laughs> up. That that's a real story. He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "I'm a like, kid." He didn't. Yeah. They lived on a dirt. They had a house, but it was a dirt floor. It took him years to buy a floor. It's like I don't get it. Yeah. I'm like exactly. You don't get it, right? And, and the the immigrant story, I think, in America, it, it defines who we are. But we we kind of just pass a and move on from it, and we forget forget that the immigrant roots. I hear Gary Vee talk all the time. We hear a couple times he talks about that the immigrant story, mm -hmm. and regardless of where Latino or Asian or wherever you're from, right. The immigrant story, we come to this country because of the opportunity mm -hmm. and we embrace and we succeed, yet somehow our kids don't don't see it. So I think it's so important to go back to our kids and show them the roots where we came from, not just the culture, not just the food, but the struggle, because that's what really makes us uh, amazing when we do, opportunity we, we seize. I, I want to take a look at this screen here. Uh, my favorite king, King Solomon in the Bible, it says, prepare your work outside Get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Interesting kind of a priority there. So in other words, get your act together, get your cash flow together, get your credit score together, get your down payment together, get your plan B together, and then go build a house. So sometimes people have to have the right timing. So, so back, back to the solution, the opportunities today. My, I mean, my first house, here, here, here's a solution that I worked at. You can come back, Jordan. First solution for me was I decided to go find somebody that listed the house for sale. And I said, listen, uh, uh, it was an attorney. And here I am, I'm just starting off in insurance business. I really have no income really to show for. I'm not where yeah. definitely I'm in today. I'm, I'm, I think I may be pulling 80,000, 100,000 a year. It's early, uh, early 2000s. Attorney was selling his house. Paying some bills. Yeah, paying some bills, right? I'm single dad, three kids. Yeah. And I, the reason why I was going to this neighborhood this house, because it had a good school system, right? Because it's one thing to buy a house that you can afford, but also you have to ask yourself, well, where are my kids going to school? Are they going to good school system, bad school system? What my kids got to look out for? Yeah. And so I want my kids to go to a better school. I want my kids to go to the opposite side of the tracks com compared to where I grew up. And so my opportunity for him was I pitched them. I said, bro, listen, I, I love to rent your house, but more so I love to own your house. Are you open to selling it one day? He goes, well, give me an offer. Oh, sure, I am open it off for the right price. Okay. So for me, I look at this house. At that time, uh, Western Springs, Hinsdale area, yeah, $500,000, $600,000 house. I'm based on even today's interest, I still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still can make the, yeah. <clears throat> but I told him, I'll pay you for the next 12, 18 months rent. I'll give you a $10,000 down payment. Just to show you, I'm serious. $10,000 down payment. My rent, I want 100% of my rent payment to apply towards a down payment. Because I want to own your house, so I'm proposing a rent-to-own. Is that sometimes called land contract? Is that what they call yeah, that? Yeah, in certain cases, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to rent-to-own, but I want 100% of my rental payment, so you're eating your equity now, mm -hmm. to go towards rent payment. So he fired back. I like your proposal. The only thing I don't agree with is 100% down payment. I want a cash flow from some property. So I, I agree to 50%. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But if I didn't start at 100, I wouldn't end up at 50. If I started at half it, I'd be at 25. 25. So think about this. My, my rent payment was 3000 a month. 
but 1500 of it was building equity in a house. And here's the thing too, Eloy, do you think, what type of tenant do you think I'd be? You think I'd be somebody who wanted to trash a property? Of course not. Because it's going to be mine. Yeah. And so that was my pro proposal to him. And next thing you know, 18 months later, 24 months later, I ended up buying the house in a well-to-do neighborhood. I bought the least expensive house and the most expensive block. And you should. That's, that's the best way to do it. Let's do it. So, 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 so those, that strategy, I think, is is very underused or utilized. But really? I think, I think the immigrants embrace it more than the traditional buyer. We're so used to and programmed bank, credit, this and yeah. the other. We, we kind of, we don't, we're not creative. Yeah. Like, oh, I wouldn't, the ego once again steps in, the pride. I, yeah. I don't want anybody on my side. I don't want any favors. Yeah. Uh, no, we need to. Uh, people are out there willing to help and, and extend an arm and yeah. do whatever it takes. We're, we're human, right? Yeah, one thing I've realized that everything's negotiable. You know, if, if you don't ask, you don't get. That's <laughs> <laughs> the reality yeah. of life. It's almost yeah. all the time. He's real quiet. I'm like, hey, buddy, speak up, ask what you want, and you'll get it. I promise you. Yeah. It's reality. For, so for, for the rent to own, because uh, that's something I'm doing right now currently in Castle Hill. Mm -hmm. It's a six hundred sixty thousand dollar house, mm -hmm. um, but is it? I mean, I, I never knew that even existed. Sure. In Chicago, I, I have a condo mm -hmm. and you know, FHA loan. No, actually, no, I didn't do FHA. I went conventional. Of course. Uh, I think during that time it was like five percent. Um, it gave XYZ amount, and I bought it for I think like seventy four thousand. Right now, it's worth like one hundred and thirty thousand nice. dollars. So, I, I didn't know rent to own even existed. So, if someone is curious about that, how mm -hmm. would they go about looking for that? Do they go through? a real estate um, you know, company or do they look for a specific just, you know, owner to, to buy or how does that even work for yeah, them? That's a great question. I, I think in most cases, those are kind of advertised uh, on the back channels. You don't see those very often. Those are simply a seller negotiated. They're got it on the market. Maybe uh, may, maybe you'll find them on a, an MLS uh, where the realtors go search, but I, that's not very, it's not a, a very good source for them. Typically that's uh, who do you know? I uh, just happen to drive by uh, for for lease rent to own. That's a great option. I mean, because you're still you're literally building up uh, equity towards mm -hmm. that scenario. So yeah, I mean, that's the way to do it. Yeah, you can. Got it. Right? So I, I want to talk real quick about self-employed people because that's when mm -hmm. I bought my house. Self-employed. You had a tough time. Okay. Because, because here, here's the thing. I make a lot of money. Of course, people follow. But do follow. you? Yeah. Okay. Correct. That's right. Yeah. But from your perspective, not from mine. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We want to make a lot of money, but legally and ethically have a lot of deductions. I, I don't in, think legally legal and ethically. I think you are taking full your full American legal rights to take every tax advantage that you can. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Right? Presidents have done it before. Right? <laughs> right. So why should, why can't you be a senator? Yeah, exactly. hey, nothing yeah, wrong with that. I, I think I tell my clients, it's not illegal to take aggressive tax deductions. It's illegal to hide income. That's called tax evasion. Yeah. Right? Al Capone correct. went down for not clearing income. Being a, being not, a mafia boss. Not but, for not paying taxes, yeah, right. for not paying, not declaring income. So we got to figure that out. Um, and that becomes a problem. Either you've got to figure out, do I not be as aggressive as you maybe defer mm -hmm. some of those expenses, which is a strategy. Mm -hmm. You can fall back a year, two, three years of deferred expenses and kind of postpone those uh, uh, losses per se. That's one strategy. There are some programs. Most programs require two years tax return, self-employed. Two. Okay. Um, we're going to want some, some are down to one. So you can time it right mm -hmm. and just do one and then come back and next year you take the de deductions. You're not going to miss out on so much revenue. Uh, a lot of banks have opened up, and this is, I think, one of our one of our strengths. We cater to immigrants, and we know a lot of cash, a lot of self-employed, mm. a lot of that kind of stuff going on. Un un uh, unreported income? Unreported, per okay. se. Uh, I got from a barber, I get tips. Yeah, yeah, or tips, cash, tips, uh, tips yeah. whatever it is, right? Mm. Cash contracts, a lot of manual labor. Mm -hmm. uh, so we see a lot of that, and we go off of bank statement deposits rather than tax returns. Mm. So we replace the income that we see here, and we replace it with the cash flow we see here. 
and that opens up some doors. Now it's not below us down payment. It is a higher risk. So I always say with higher risk comes a higher reward for the bank, meaning they're going to charge a higher interest sure. rate. But it's not, it's, I always compare apples to apples. Am I going to pay $20,000 more in interest? No, I'm going to yeah. pay an extra 5000 yeah. So it makes sense to take the higher rate and not that $20,000 loss per se. I mean, the typical person today, what, what are some of the biggest things that we buy in our life? Right? Let's, let's, let's unpack it. Let's, let's take a couple steps back. The biggest things that we buy in our life, okay, do we buy our cars cash or do we finance it? Finance it, right? Typically. Who, who, who buys a car? A lot of people don't buy car cash. And what does a typical car go for today? $35,000, dollars $50,000 for, right? for a car, right? Yeah. Decent I mean, car. What's the Kia cost these days? I don't, I don't 30? know. 30? What did your Jeep go for? Your, uh, when I bought it? Yeah. Uh, Fifty-six. Yeah, so you bought a Jeep. You can hear that thing coming down the block. I mean, yeah. it's, it's $56,000 yeah. for a typical car. Yeah. So a lot of people don't buy it cash. They buy it. Uh, they, re they finance it. What about our education? Go to college? They're definitely not paying that cash. No. Nope. Unless they're scholarships. And that's... Even then, they're still getting some kind of loan, right? Sure. Some form yeah. of student loan debt. Yeah, the, the, the university find a way to milk that. So they're, they're going to get some loans. Right. And then our homes. Yeah. A lot of people don't buy it cash. They, buy, they, they finance it. Mm -hmm. So the three biggest things that we buy in our typical life... Our education, our car, our home, or financing. Correct. The only the only exception I saw to that was a guy calling last week from Canada. He said he wants to buy a house, but he's buying his yacht first. I'm like, all right, you go buy your yacht first. That's going to be working on your house. But outside of that, I've never had anybody say, hey, like, oh, $1.5 million yacht. Man, that's cool, but the house yeah. is. So I've never really heard of a, a scenario that somebody's financed more than a house with the exception of a yacht. I'll tell you what, what I did do is for many, many years, my first start in my career, single dad before I married Sheena, Single dad, three kids. I'm my ups, up twing, uh, from from leaving the military, upswing to make eighty thousand, hundred thousand, hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. I rented for a while. Yeah, but I bought a bomb car. Yeah, because the car is I'm I'm and I, the way I looked at my car is I'm marketing. I get it. Because yeah, for example, as a realtor, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to go up to the janky car showing it home. I've literally heard of realtors losing deals because they drove up in a, in a Hyundai. <laughs> like hey, I expect you to come up in a Mercedes at least. And it's like no, I drive a Hyundai. I'm very no. You're just not the right realtor for me. Wow. So the thing is, I don't agree with it, but people will judge a book by its cover. The opposite. The opposite is for me, though. You don't want to see your financial. You don't want to see your loan officer come in in a, in a, in a mock. You, know, you, you <laughs> want to see him come in in something reasonable because he's charging me more money. Sure. So you don't want that on, on my perspective. So basically, you got to understand your profession. <laughs> yeah. You got to understand your market. Yeah. You got to understand your buyer. Yeah. Right. You got to understand who your prospective customers, whatever yeah. industry that you do. Hundred percent. And, and for me, uh, people didn't want to see a broke insurance guy or broke, you know, uh, financial advisor. Not even that say that we got to pull up in a Lambo. Yeah. Because if I'm talking to your typical, you know, uh, Joe the plumber or mommy and poppy at, at, in, the, in the middle of the neighborhood, uh, they don't want to drive in those. Now, if I'm talking professional <laughs> athlete, they better see a successful insurance agent, successful, successful financial day. advisor rolling up. Yeah. But I, I, I had a Chrysler 300, man. I had a yeah. Chrysler 300 back, back in the day that looked like a Chrysler Cirrus. Yeah. That was my car, yeah. black on black. But I, was, I took so much pride in that. The challenge though I had is when I was self-employed, I make 150,000, 200,000, but I end up with all the deductions, I end up only reporting 40, 50,000. Of course. The challenge with that- Super normal. The challenge with that though is I couldn't buy that house in that neighborhood I wanted, that's why I had to do a rent to own. Of course. Until I had to, According to the scripture we read earlier, get ready in the field, build up my income. And for me to wait, here's the thing to Eloy, instead of me trying to wait for a mutual fund or a life insurance policy to grow 10, you know, eight, nine, whatever rate of return is going to provide, I invested that back into me, skills, abilities, marketing, that car, so I can increase my income. That created a faster rate of return. You know what? 
And that's can we tough. get any investment? When when do you decide what to invest in? Your home, yourself, your car, your kids, your yeah. family. That, that's such a so right. tough. I'll right? give my kids things I never had before. But you, know, you, have, but you have to elevate yourself in order to elevate them, right? There you go. I mean, you can only feed them so much if you're not being fed. Can't give what you ain't got. Hundred percent. You know. And right. so, so when you're looking at those different things, so I so I prioritize income. And even my kids for the minute, they weren't going to the best schools. You know, when you went to school, I went to school with, and after that went, went all the way to, to another part of town until we eventually ended up here. So I bounced around for a minute until we found the, the right neighborhood to be a part of. So, um, so if I'm making 200,000, 300,000, 150,000 a year, okay, what's the best way a loan officer would see my tax returns and how would I better position my documentation? So the bank says, okay, uh, a favorable rate, you know, yeah. and whatever down yeah. payment. Yeah, so, so you know, when you're looking at, at rates online, those are based on traditional, what we call GSE, government-sponsored entity loans. You've heard the acronyms, FHA, conventional, Freddie Mac, all that good stuff, Fannie Mae. Those are based on on an insurance set of guides. Actually, those, mm-hmm. those aren't lending companies. They're insurance companies. Those companies, entities, insure the banks that we're not going to default. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they do default, they, they give us our money back as far as investors go. So that's how that works. And they're basing their rate off of a standard whatever policy, they all have the same requirement. They say two year tax earn self-employed. I have to have two years tax returns. Yeah. And we're gonna take your net income. We can maybe add, add back a couple items, like let's say depreciation and or uh, your mileage for, you drove for your car and maybe some depletion. And that's about it. So if your tax preparer isn't very savvy mm-hmm. and not taking advantage of those items, mm-hmm. you're gonna go off your net income, which may be $40,000. But yeah. if you took $20,000 in car expenses or miles, then you can add that back and maybe that helps a little bit. That that's one way of circumventing that requirement, or some people just won't take any deductions at all that year. To in order to, to kind of you know stimulate that in, that number up, and then next year take the deductions. Yeah, they're taking one or two year average depending on what we're going with here. So that's that's what a, a traditional loan officer would tell you. Hey, your your tax returns just aren't going to support uh, the payment you want. Let's find a way to defer some of these taxes to next year where you can get more taxable income this year. But then again. If you have a taxable income, higher you taxes. have a higher tax rate. <laughs> and if you're going to put a payment plan on that tax rate, that yeah. payment goes against you, which doesn't help you qualify for more house. So you have to make sure you pay that that whole amount that yeah. you just d- deducted or claimed off at time you file taxes. So it's, it's a conundrum, right? Yeah. Uh, so now we have banks or financial institutions that offer alternative income. Uh, bank statement, I do a lot of profit loss. We get with their CPA, hey, I know per tax code you require this, and I, I appreciate and I respect that, but what's their real cash flow look like on a day-to-day? Yeah. Right, deposits and your bank statement, your expenses. I'm showing twenty thousand dollars a month, not twenty thousand dollars a year. Right? Yeah, that's about right. All right, show me a PL, prove that they're an income that's not gonna that's not gonna fail tomorrow, and we'll rock and roll with that income. And that's what we do. We replace it. That's love that's it. the biggest solution we have for self-employed. I love it. I love it. Go out there, make your bread. So, uh, my follow-up to all this, man. Again, you just wealth of knowledge, especially for all the people who who are watching right now, yeah. and you know the questions that I asked you for personal and for for uh, for friends. Uh, but now, going back to the very first question that I asked you in the very beginning of the show is, how do you keep up with everything that you got going on? You, I'm, I'm assuming you have kids. Yeah, seven-year-old. Seven-year-old. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. um, so you, you you do what you do in, in your industry. You lead a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw. I, I, I kind of stalked your page a little yeah. bit and yeah. the, the, the pages <laughs> that you know you follow and. Some of the real estate agents that I know here in Dallas, and even some in Illinois, for some reason, they 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 all follow your page, yeah. and then the 
the, the business. And so you have you have some form of influence over a lot of people, and they look up to you in, 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 in the areas that, that, that you work in. And I'm sure the seminars and the conferences and the, the podcast you've been on, people tune in to get some nuggets out of you. Sure. So with all of that going on, and even even as with Matt, I understand with him, how do you keep up with your energy? How do you keep up with your health? How do you keep up with you know, because in order for you to, to have influence and leadership, you need to be able to have, have a good amount of energy. And it's mental, it's spiritual, and it's physical. So on a physiological standpoint, how do you keep up with yourself? How do you keep up with your family? How do you keep up with everything that you have going on to be able to fill that role that you could do on a daily basis? You know, um, I've, I've filled that role and that hole with everything in this world, with alcohol, with women, with, uh, with drugs, with artificial drugs, real drugs. And the first thing that I put in my life now is God. That's it. Amen. Has to be. If I don't put God first, nothing else fulfills right. or, or, or satiates me the same. So I have to put God first every single time, without a doubt. Yeah. And uh, I pray with my son at night. Uh, we pray over what it is. We pray over dinner. We teach him prayers. And and it has to be that. I'm super involved in my community because that feeds my soul. Mm-hmm. That feeds my purpose. Uh, so it kind of, it's self-fulfilling, right? Like sure. uh, that's what, that's what keeps me going is keeping me going. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to be involved with my kids. Uh, I'm their den leader for Cub Scouts. I coach basketball and baseball at a Christian school. Like that fills me up because yeah. otherwise this other, other thing that I'm going to, I'm going to survive, but that's not going to fill me up and make me happy. Um, so I think number one is God and then my community. And of course my spouse and my son in that order. Um, but on, on a physical standpoint, I think it supplements uh, nutrition. Uh, I wish I wasn't match shape. I need to go hit the gym with him and get on a regimen, and I <laughs> need to make that Milton. make it a priority. <laughs> so you and I need to schedule a time, Milton. Sure, man. Uh, I think uh, I've sacrificed my my physical health for my emotional and my my financial health the last you know decade or so. And uh, it used to be important to me. Now I focus on something else, and you can tell. Uh, so I have a friend who says it, it's not about balance; it's about harmony. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. balance is hard to maintain. Everything balanced, yeah. but if we can make everything harmonize and just yeah. kind of keep moving forward, and and everything has its little time to to, to kink in and make that perfect song, I think it's where we're at in life. Right, the so, harmonization. So, so knowing that our uh, our physiology, our bodies mm-hmm. have a major impact on our psychology, and our psychology has a major impact on our bodies. Knowing that fact. Why do you think people in any, in any industry, and let's go, let's go with your industry, because I'm sure there's mm-hmm. a lot of agents and a lot of people who are your industry who literally put their life, their health on the line sure. to be able to fill their schedules up and late, up, you know, late nights or whatever yeah. case may be, stress levels to the next level. Yeah. Why is it that you think that people are willing to sacrifice their health to, you know, for their businesses, not knowing that their health, like Matt says, is your first wealth and your health being top priority will actually get you a greater outcome in everything that you do? Uh, man, I go back to our models. Who is our role model? Who taught us these things? And most of us, our role models are our parents. Mm-hmm. And most parents have, don't focus on that with us. They don't really tell us, hey, you have to go to the gym half an hour a day or twice a day and make sure you maintain this weight or make sure you don't finish your plate because that's what we're taught, right? Hey, finish your plate, happy plate, right? Make sure you get all the food, don't want to waste money. Mm-hmm. So we're focused on those things. And now the other thing, I think our role models in, in life, uh, I know my dad wasn't very active with me as a kid. Uh, he, he wasn't, he was too busy working. So was my mom. So to them, it was kind of taken for granted. So I think uh, what Matt does, you know, showing where he's doing, taking his kids to the gym, I think you're sending kids to success. That's the number one priority. My son, we play basketball every stinking night for 25 minutes, and he times it because he knows that's what we do. So every night before he goes to bed, hey, dad, let's play basketball. And we we play basketball. We have to. That's that's our routine. And he knows that's what we do every night. No, I keep up with him. No, he's getting quick. He's getting real good now. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh. So I've got to get myself in better shape. (laughs) He's challenging me. So it's full circle. I'm teaching him, but he's teaching me. So uh, that's it, man. I I think it's it's essential that we teach our kids and the family is number one on that. And speaking yeah. of which, as we wrap up the show, man, I uh, 
I just want to encourage everybody that's, that's, that's watching this. You know, we talk about homeownership, we talk about entrepreneurship. The first thing you really want to establish in your life is Godship and making sure you understand who your God is. Because a lot of people have their businesses are God, their careers are God, their, their, their addictions is God. I hope that you have God, God, as your God, because if you're going to go build wealth, you're going to go through the process of getting your documentation together to buy a house, and you go through the process of discipline of saving every month and paying off your debt every month, if you don't have God, God, the true God in your life, the scenario of buying a house and everything that you work for may end up just like this video we're about to show you some of the most re heartbreaking moments in my life when I was personally going through this myself. Let's take a look at this video. It's not the pain of foreclosure. Right there is the pain of divorce. And if you don't get your stuff right, man, you don't get your marriage right, you know, forget the finances and forget the home ownership. Because if you don't build it, I mean, a house that's not built on a solid ground will eventually wash away. If you build a house on sand, it's going to wash away. But on solid ground, which this show is God, your faith. And uh, yeah, you've seen, you've done a lot of transactions where you did all the work to Buy the house, and next, you know, a couple years later, a few years later, yeah. What would happen? It's sad, man. It's yeah. sad. Yeah, things don't work out. The family falls apart. Uh, you know, we put a lot of vices as, as our gods, uh, and I'm guilty of it. I've done everything. I put my son as, as my god for a little bit, and it, my whole world fell apart. Nothing's capable. It's, of it's natural. It's, it's natural. We're human, man. We're going to be human. It's just not. Yeah. yeah. So you know, you got to take that seriously, and, and it, uh, it's a. Uh, it's super important in my life. It's, it's yeah. number one. It has to be. It has to be. For other thing else to work, to be in order, that's the order. That's that's the piece of the puzzle that yeah. it goes first. Yeah. Or else there's nowhere to go build from there. That's it, man. Yeah. You got to do that. So uh, we're praying for everybody that's watching the show, live, replay. Uh, Eloy, I pray for your business. I thank you for the man that you are, the father that you are, the loan officer you are, the president of NAREP that you are. <laughs> I mean, we talk about the, the righteous leading God's people. Well, guess what, man? You're leading NAREP. You're leading NAREP Dallas. Appreciate that. Quick plug to NAREP. Can you can you uh, uh, give a shout out to any uh, real estate professional out there? Yeah, if you guys are interested in learning more about NAREP, N-A-H-R-E-P, uh, NAREP, the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals. Uh, I am president of a Dallas chapter. Check us out, narepdallas.org. Um, you know, we have events. We're there to educate. We're there to kind of grow our community. We're all about uh, sustain creating sustainable, affordable homeownership and also generational wealth. So what we talk about here, finances, that's step number one of success, right? And you have to be successful in our communities. We have to be good parents, good stewards, uh, good business people. But it starts with doing the right thing. Yep. Yeah. That's it, man. That being said, guys, love to know your thoughts, your questions, your comments. You agree with us, you don't agree with us. What's it like? in your city and state in terms of home ownership. What's it like in your city 
and say in terms of business ownership and increasing your cash flow, please put it in the comment section below. We might use some of those comments in a future episode here on the Seven Figure Squad podcast. That being said, on behalf of my co-host here, Milton Alvarez, our special Wonder. guest here, Eloy Benavides, I'm Money Smart Guy. Until we meet again, continue smart, continue smart, and be money smart today. God bless you guys. Bye-bye.